0: I mean, I I learned this even through racing a little bit, but it's just reinforced here. You just got to let go in some situations like it may not be perfect. You may not get a full night's sleep or you may not expect to be making a run to the vet in the middle of the night for something that ends up being nothing. But you just kind of roll with it because you care about the the person or the dog or, or it's just life. So there's some things that are... Worth you know missing out on some sleep or skipping out on something else for.
1: Welcome back to the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. We're Jess and BJ, and we're on a mission to create a better world, bringing meaningful conversations to the endurance sports world and sharing stories of people looking, finding, and living their purpose. Are cogs in the wheel of this powerful mission? And today we're excited to be bringing you another one of those conversations with professional triathlete Ben Knut. Ben was first on the show, hot off of the Rio Olympics in episode 43, which we conducted at his home in Tucson, Arizona, while BJ and I were actually living on the road. I think we recorded that podcast in November of 2016, and it gives you all the background on Ben, his early roots in triathlon, the influence of one of his earliest coaches, and a detailed account of Ben's road to Rio. At that time, he had, or you had, Ben, just made the switch to his coach, Jim Vance, who is the star of YTP episode 118, which we launched back in August 2018. I highly recommend going back to have a listen to both of those podcasts. The links are in the show notes for this episode on yogitriathlete.com. So today, yeah, we're diving back in with Ben to find out what's been going on with this U.S. Olympian and three-time national champion, besides things like his super exciting finish at the Island House Triathlon in 2017 when Ben out-sprinted Terenzo Bazzoni after three days of fierce racing, or when he took second at the Ironman 70.3 World Championships in 2017, fourth in 2018, and 10th in 2019, or his multi-time escape from Alcatraz back-to-back victories in 2017 and 2018. On top of that, he got married to a beautiful yogi named Courtney and is now sharing more publicly than ever his life as a professional triathlete, husband, dog dad, and soon-to-be dad on a journey that he believes is still just beginning. So Ben, welcome back to the show, man. So good to see you.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to be on.
1: So the last time we left you, you were single, you were living like a bachelor, you um had just started with Coach Vance, and a lot has gone down in the last three and a half years. How would you how would you sum up all these achievements and and beautiful gifts that you're receiving in your life with Courtney and the baby on the way? I mean it's
0: yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of hard to sum up in one word or one <laughs> sentence. Uh, a lot has happened, um, but just very grateful and uh, happy to be where I am right now, but uh, still pushing forward.
1: Yeah. So how have you been flowing with, you know, all the changes, the cancellations, the recent news about 70.3 World Championships? Um you know, being taken off the, the calendar in, uh, for 2021, right? Uh, yeah, how are you flowing with all these changes?
0: Uh, just uh, taking it, I guess we were taking it day by day, but now just trying to figure out um, kind of what the best plan for us is. But uh, Jim said it best and that timelines change, but goals don't. So we still have all the goals that we'd like to do, qualifying for the Olympics and winning a medal there, winning a 70.3 world championship. Uh, it just might—it's well, not might, but it, it's just not going to happen in 2020 now. So we're just refocusing and making sure that we're we're all set for 2021 and looking like um, you know, I have an extra year to prepare, an extra year to be better than I was this year.
1: And you've been uh, taking part in some of these like uh, Zwift races.
0: Yeah, the VR, the virtual races. Yeah, yeah. No, it's been a great substitute. It's uh, fun to get the competitive juices flowing. Um, the different formats have been fun to try out. Uh, obviously, virtual racing is uh, not the same as outdoor racing, but uh, for this time and, and right now, it's been um, a lot of fun to kind of take part and race with the other guys, even if it's from, you know, all different parts of the world. We kind of have our, our own little pain caves, and it's been good to, to get some competition in.
2: So, you, yeah, just speaking of pain caves, you just moved into a new place, new pain cave?
0: Yeah, so uh, it was just this past weekend that we, we made the big move, um, so the house here is still uh, kind of being put together, but one of the first things we did was uh, lay the the floor down for the gym and the, get the treadmill and um, the shelving and the, the equipment all by Techno Gym brought in um, just, <clears throat> I think it was a couple days ago, Monday, we got that all put in, so still kind of adding to it, making a few changes, but excited to, to really put that to work because it came right at the right time with the heat being cranked up in Arizona right now.
2: You're going to do, um, so you've got your own YouTube channel now, or you probably had it before, but you're really, you know, pushing that. Are you going to give us a Cribs, cribs view of the, the Pain Cave?
0: Yeah, I think we'll have to have something in store. So we made some good use of the space we have in there. So we're, we're working on a couple things. And I think a tour of the Pain Cave is kind of uh, on the docket.
1: Um, so with your YouTube channel and you and Courtney, um, you know, kind of sharing your life a little bit, has that, um, how does that feel to do that, to just be a little bit more open, a little bit more vulnerable on there?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's good. We kind of view everything that we do from, you know, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, uh, it's just a bit of kind of that, that backstage pass. So, um, You're not going to see every little thing, but it gives you that little bit extra to if you want to see, you know, how a a professional triathlete trains, how I eat, live, um, how Courtney, how we live our life together traveling. Um, We kind of meant for the YouTube to have a lot of travel segments in there. Um, but obviously, 2020 put some of that travel stuff on hold. But it just gives you kind of that extra insight, a little bit of a behind-the-scenes view for for what we do. And it's fun to open it up a little bit to to everybody else and let people along in the journey. Because um, achieving goals and winning races is great. But as uh, a lot of people find out when they do triathlon or whatever endeavor that they're doing. Uh, it's the journey along the way that really makes it worthwhile at the end.
2: Have you gotten, uh, have you received feedback at all from, from your channel? I know um, me personally, like I'm following Christian uh, Blumenfeld now and um, Richard Murray and all the, and it's, it's exactly to what you're saying. It's this backstage pass to their, your actual people, like you have day-to-day things to accomplish and you have struggles and you have highs and lows and, and um, it's about the experience and all we see most of the time is what's on, you know, YouTube or triathlon live is that, that, that just the racing. So, uh, have you have you got any feedback, any? Yeah. I mean, for the most part, it's been pretty
0: positive overall. So I mean, we're, we're doing it as a bit of a side project and just trying to have fun with it and make some videos. We, we think we'll enjoy going back to watch. So, um, sometimes they come out, you know, every few days sometimes they come out every few weeks but um overall it's been it's been pretty positive to see people seem to like them overall so there's a good range out there too from what we have on our youtube channel everything from you know picking up our dog tucker to to a training day to yoga videos to core and strength work so kind of have a wide um range of of different topics that we cover
1: So did Courtney primarily bring yoga into your life or were you practicing it before you guys um, were together? She was an influence in your life.
0: Yeah, she's definitely the main influence in there. So when I was back on the kids team, there had been every so often there was like a a yoga or kind of a wellness type stretching day um, thrown in there. But Courtney was the one who got me going to my first classes and um, was able to kind of give me some own stuff, my own stuff to work on, um, as she went through her teacher training. So, um, yeah, she's really the one who, who pushed me to practice more on it and to really get into it.
1: Is there something about yoga that you learned, like that she's opened you up to that you were like, I didn't even realize that was yoga or a part of yoga?
0: Um, she's really into like the, the power flows. So like having yoga be like a hard strength workout as well. Like I didn't never really thought of it that way. I just kind of thought of it as stretching or meditating, but some of the things that I've really taken from it are being able to, to center yourself and kind of focus on, on one thing and flow through something, but then also just focusing on the breath. Cause I think being able to control your breathing is something that endurance athletes could really benefit from because, you know, if you're, um, whatever, panicking in a swim or just in a race situation or kind of whatever it is, like being able to get control of your breath and and really, um, you know, calm yourself down that way um, is a huge tool to have.
1: Yeah, well, <clears throat> the pranayama, which is the, the breath control is actually the life management control. So when you think about it, being able to control the breath is like being able to self-regulate yourself, like being able to manage yourself in a situation where maybe like the hype is getting too much, the cortisol levels are high, to be able to have that tool, and which is a direct interface to your nervous system, get yourself to a place of calm
0: yeah exactly and i always think too like a calm mind is always like a fast mind so there's a lot of stuff like if you get overwhelmed and you're in uh like the transition area or something goes wrong panicking never helps always having a calm mind is is a good way to to get through it
1: yeah have you um had an experience when you were racing where you were like found yourself using that like a tool from yoga like that
0: um i think that i find myself you know every race using something to just center be in the now moment. Um, and yeah, it comes from my dad kind of back when I was growing up saying there's always going to be something that goes wrong in the race. So I kind of plan for that. So if you know, something's not going to go perfectly, um, you can kind of help preemptively calm yourself down or control yourself. So I've, I've had a number of things I've slipped and fallen. I've had shoes on the wrong side of the bike i've had you know whatever uh, laces break or not like your nutrition pop out of your bike and you could panic and get all frustrated and say oh if that didn't happen it would have been so good or you just handle it and you solve the situation and you see what can i do now to handle it i think that's that sort of mindset is beneficial
1: yeah, in our first conversation with you I remember you like equating it to a boxing match. Like if you're down in the ring, you've got just a few seconds to kind of get yourself back on your feet and keep moving forward.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, um it's just really like it, I kind of view it as like a solution focused mindset. Like if something happens, it's how do I solve it? Like even if everything's going well, you're like okay, just let's how do I keep doing this? But, you know, if you slip and fall, it's Okay, check myself, am I good? Okay, well, let's keep going, or if there's something that's wrong with the bike, you fix it how you can, and then you keep moving on. so it's never dwelling on oh, if that didn't happen, it's always kind of focused on the what can I do right now to make me better or faster
2: and that that's that that's that presence presence, yeah. you know the ability to not get too far ahead or or to or to maintain that that baggage we drag with us from the past. And the past could be anywhere from 30 seconds ago to, you know, three years ago. When you're, when you're going intense, you know, when you're racing and you've got that intensity, cause you, you've got that, um, you wear that on your sleeve. Like you're, you're, you can, you can put that effort out there. And, and when I'm saying intense, it's not all, you know, gorilla, like it's, it's an intense effort, like it's a high level, um, you know, where you're shaking the bike on the trainer and you're, you're really into it, like sprinting for those finishes. What are you thinking about in those moments? Like if it's like a 30 second sprint at the end and it's all out and you're trying to make it, is there a way that you come back to like, are you going hard and calm at the same time? Or is it just, you don't even remember it. It's just flow. It's no thought.
0: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think a lot of it is, is that flow, no thought, or just like being right in the moment and pushing yourself hard. So, um, I think there's different, different states of flow as well. Like if I'm in the middle of a half Ironman and I'm, uh, calm and have a rhythm and I'm working through the race and, um, taking my nutrition, like you kind of, you have a rhythm to it. That's really steady, calm, um, it's not like that shaking the trainer. If I'm doing something like sprinting at the end of the race, like an Island house or Chengdu or any of these other races that I think is almost more of like an emotional state a little bit. It's like an emotional flow where you're kind of like digging deep down and all you're really thinking about is getting that last drop of energy out of yourself and just trying to beat the guy next to you. So all of that, every ounce of like thought and, um, just energy is going into propelling yourself forward or putting out the maximum amount of wattage, anything like that. So I think that there's kind of that range and it's energy management a little bit. Cause obviously like a sprint like that on the trainer or whatever is not pretty. It's, you can't sustain that for very long, but when you're in the middle of a half marathon, you're not doing that. You're trying to save a little bit of that for there. So it's all about like efficiency for your flow state. And that's where I think that calm mind that, you know, is good for problem solving and all that is, is pretty good for racing too. I think there's very few athletes that can race angry the entire race or race emotional, the entire race. It's all about controlling your emotions and letting them out. Like when you need them.
2: And you're, you're doing that, you're practicing this, you're doing anything from a super sprint to a half Ironman. You're, you're practicing cool. this every year. It's just not like segments you're doing all distances.
0: Yeah. And it's, uh, it's interesting to go back and forth. Like the, the super sprint is, is a ton of fun. Cause you can whatever, slam a bunch of caffeine, like get hyped up <laughs> and just go, go hard from the beginning. And it's all out. And I love that because, you know, there's no, there's pacing to it, but there's like no real pacing. It's all racing. The half Ironmans are fun too. Cause there's, uh, a bit of strategy to it there's you know you you can't just like get hyped up. you can you know maybe sprint the first little bit to get position or uh, whatever to pass or, or something like that but a lot of it's about efficiency and really managing your energy throughout the day and that's at still a very high level because we're starting to see half Ironman being raced more and more like Olympic distance racing but there's much more of like a, a pacing aspect to it so um, I, I still love the range. I love going back and forth between the distances because uh, I get that variety, and I think it helps keep it fresh. And in a weird way, I think they kind of complement each other—the different distances. Um, so it's been a lot of fun to kind of mix that up over the past few years.
2: Do you? I was watching your Super League today this morning on the trainer, and then I bounced over to the um, the championships from 2018 in South Africa do you ever get confused or because you're racing so many different locations, different distances, do you ever feel, I was like, does he ever get caught up in like one thing and he's like, well, wait a minute, this is a half. I've got to extend this effort a little bit longer.
0: <laughs> no, I think you get pretty dialed into to what you're doing. Okay. Uh, thankfully for like a lot of those big races, um, like especially the half Ironman world championships, uh, we have a pretty concentrated block of work before then. So we're doing specific workouts like a month or so beforehand to To get myself ready for that type of effort um but yeah no at least not yet i haven't been at a start line and had to remind myself what the distance is so um, (laughs) who knows as i get older maybe that'll happen more and more if i keep going back and forth between the distances
1: you'll have like little index cards with you yeah exactly write
0: it on my hand like a sweetie <laughs> back in the day
2: like okay what's my event what am i doing <laughs> and now it's like what order is it in because yeah. you know super leagues in dip reverse order
1: yeah you want to dive into super league a little yeah i lo- like, love that format we, we love that that whole what, thing like what mac is bringing and um
2: yeah how does that like what is that how does that like how do you even approach something like that and and, and i guess maybe it's a question for Jim too, but how do you approach the, uh, the, you know, three times racing, like the soup, like you're going over and over the same thing. And then the next day you maybe just swim time trialing or bike time trialing. How do you, how do you stay engaged in all of that?
0: Yeah. You know, we haven't really done too much specific work for mixing it up. Like I know some of the guys will do, uh, multiple times through or they'll do bike swims or or something like that to, to mix it up, to kind of get that. Um, we train for the distance a lot of times. So, um, and we also train in a way where like, you know, my, my swim and bike, we've had a lot of success with, and the run is always a progression, but when there's a really specific workout, unless we're trying to train for a brick or something like that, like, unless that's part of the workout, we do a lot of like the runs early on in the day or at a specific time so that I can get the most out of myself and try and, you know, hit that next pace um, like as quickly as possible without like the underlying fatigue of other workouts or the brick, unless, you know, we're specifically trying to target that. So we kind of arrange the workouts in a way to maximize, um, I guess, efficiency in the day and with getting the most out of myself, um, in the training plan. Um, but when you handle it, like nobody has really done, uh, these types of races before, unless, you know, they're at, um, Uh, like maybe a couple of times they might've done it at a local try or just some random race that got to mix it up. So I think when people first got into super league, especially in that Hamilton Island race, and then those first few, nobody quite knew what to expect. So everybody's starting from like with a clean slate and you get to be creative with it. Like you start to figure out though, like, Hey, you know, like, maybe the, the second swim is where gaps start to open up or, you know, the transition from, you know, the second bike to run or, or wherever you're like, this is typically where gaps open up or this is where one person starts to fade or whatever. And I mean, for myself, like a lot of these races, like that first and second time through, like everybody still has all their matches. It's all really good. And then it's like the third time through and I'm like, okay, let's, I don't want to do a fourth, but it'd be great if we could do a fourth. Like that's kind of how I'm, is that when
2: you're just warming up longer, same
0: intensity. So it's, uh, yeah, it's interesting that when you see like all sorts of different people, like there are, there are some triathletes who are like, like pure swimmers almost who like can swim super well. And then there's some who bike time trial well or run time trial well, but it's different when you're, you put it all together and it's interesting to see like how that's all kind of, you know, played out.
1: Well, and the whole, the whole concept of it is really created like with the short shoots and, and, um, you know, the eliminations and all of that. So it's always for as a spectator. And I don't know if you've ever watched any of them, but like their commentary is amazing too. Like they're, they're kind of like, they're kind of bagging on some of the athletes, like giving them a hard time, you know, as, as it's happening because it's just, it's so fast paced. And, uh, is there a part of it that's like, I know it's your job and I know it's serious, but are you having fun out there?
0: Oh, yeah. Well, I think I have uh, I think we all are, a lot of triathletes kind of have a, a sixth sense of fun where we like to push ourselves. And um, like there's a certain amount of fun that you get from, you know, seeing how far you can go and also competing against athletes um, and pushing yourself. And I think that's what Super League promotes is it promotes good competition exciting racing where even the racers like we kind of know how it'll play out a little bit but you don't quite know and the unpredictability of it is something that makes it not only fun to watch but fun to race and that's like just like super league and why that's so much fun to watch it's the same reason why the mixed relay is so fun because everything is so fast people are on their limit like a mistake can change the whole race so there's a lot of I think risk versus reward that go into this, these types of races where um, any little mistake or any risk that you put forward, like going too early or waiting too late could potentially change like the entire race
2: dynamic. And the strategy is getting, getting now that it's, I think in it's third or I think it's probably in its third year super league now, I think 2017. So people are getting wise to it, like just getting through transition with their sneakers on and diving into the water (laughs) To I remember one guy did that last year to just stay in it as long as he could. So there's always like that element. It's not really to win the specific, you know, that that individual race. It's about doling out your effort like you were talking about to to the end to see where you end up um, and just hoping that the others slow down first before you.
0: Yeah, exactly. There's uh, a bunch of different races within the races, all the points, like, and they keep honing it every year too. It keeps improving to make sure that it's more competitive, easier to understand, easy to watch. And yeah, the commentators do a great job at explaining and introducing people to the sport. And that's something that's just, I think really key when, when coming into a sport like triathlon, especially, you know, in some of these races that are a little bit longer, you need good commentators to really help, um, you know, move the race along or explain it, make it exciting. Cause I mean, there are great announcers for golf and all those types of sports and people can watch them all day. There's no reason why if you have some good personalities and stuff, you can't watch track on all day too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Golf. I tend to uh, use that more for napping like triathlon. You want to ha- you want that to be not so vanilla. You want that to be a little bit more exciting so when we, um, you had just started working with Jim when we interviewed you back in uh, the end of 2016, and we've had a chance to sit down with Jim and had a great interview with him. And it was so interesting because we were like, he's the data guy, right? Like everybody was like, he's the data guy, the data guy. And I'm like preparing myself for this very data driven conversation. And when we got there, it was, it was He's so much about the mental piece. Like, yes, he's, he's very much about the data as, and, and allowing that to serve as the tools that those are. But without the mental game, um, you know, you, the athlete doesn't have much. So what's, a, and, and you have a strong mental game just from the stories that you told us about your dad and our, in the first episode we did with you. And you've already brought him up already in this episode. Um, you guys seem to be a really good match to be working with one another. What's something that Jim has brought to you, like, as an athlete?
0: Um, I, I mean, Jim brings a lot to the table. I think that he, um, one, he's he's pretty blunt. He's to the point, so he doesn't really, you know, put up with uh, any BS. Like, he, he knows how to tread the line, too, of, like, I always say I can't ever coach myself because I'd either do too little or too much. I'd either be like telling myself, Oh, I need, I need time to rest, 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 or I'd be running myself into the ground because I need to keep training and never really do that. So he's pretty good at keeping me in line and making sure like, Hey, okay, that's your body telling you you don't need to do anymore or, hey you, you just need to work through this it's just about getting through the effort today so I've gotten pretty good at that on my own throughout the the years um being at like training on my own but he adds that extra insight and um can explain why like through data and, and all that why I might need a workout or why I succeeded in a workout when I thought I might not have so he um is very good at you know just laying things out there and like you said is. He uses data to help mentally build up an athlete. And I think that for me, like, you know, seeing the proof right in front of me, seeing all of that and hearing the explanation like, hey, you're this much fitter than you were last year. And I'm not just telling you that to boost your self esteem. Like, I can show you that you're more fit than you were last year. I can show you that you're doing this workout better, that your leg spring stiffness is better than it used to be, or, or whatever we're talking about. So um, I think that that has been um, just really great. And the fact that we have good communication, which I think is always key in athlete-coaching relationships.
1: Yeah, and Jim said that one of the things that, as a coach, he said this, that he knows, and I think he was talking about the swim team that he was coaching um, at the time, the youth, youth swim team. But he was saying like he knows, he knows what buttons to push and when to push them. Would you agree with that as his athlete?
0: yeah he can push my buttons he knows how to push them I would say um yeah there are some times I I look at the workout schedule too and I'm like what what are you doing Jill? what are we doing here and then I end up like a week later and I'll be like okay well you were right about all that like that was exactly what I needed or he uh yeah just it's it can be sometimes annoying how often he's correct in certain (laughs) things so um no he's he's very good he's uh Whenever we do training camps together, too, like having him around has always been really good. So we mesh pretty well and um, we're just good at putting in the work, I think. So there's there's nothing really magical about either of us. I think that we both just understand that it takes hard work and um, communication to develop a plan and then execute that plan for each race.
2: How, I love asking this question, how important is the trust uh, component when working with a coach? All in, half in, somewhat in, like how important is this to be all in? Yeah. I mean, I think that
0: you have to really trust them, but there's there's a difference between like going all in and then blindly trusting somebody. Because I, I also think that a good coach like Jim, he's not afraid to ask for help or to ask somebody's opinion or to continue learning about um the sports just coaching in general whatever so i'm not afraid ever to ask jim questions or to question like well why are we doing this why are we doing you know this type of training why wouldn't we do this before the race or whatever so we're always kind of pushing each other to think of ways to be better so he's definitely kind of the guy in control of the overall plan and i trust that he has the experience and the knowledge to craft that but I also feel comfortable enough to take a look at that plan and go, all right, why don't we switch a couple things around here and why don't we do this? And he can explain why we should or shouldn't. And also like that, that just adds into it. That's like a trust in both. Like Jim trusts that I'm not going to sandbag and, uh, you know, try and change my schedule around to make it my life easier. But he also knows that there's other stresses in life too. And I provide him with the information of, you know, how my body's feeling, what's going on in my life, like all of that stuff so that we can balance all of those different things that are going on so that I can be the best prepared to execute the workouts and then race.
1: Can you tell us about the, um, the mental training videos that you guys just, uh, just did together? And I think it's a part of a collective, um, but you and Jim put together, I think 16 videos on mental toughness. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
0: Yeah, um, we're actually going to have some more access to those, or some better access eventually, um, to so that you guys can watch them and and really look at them better. But overall, like the mental side of the sport, I think is one that you know tends to fall down to the bottom of the ladder when you're looking at it. Like physical training takes top priority for everybody, especially just you know the average person who's trying to balance work life, um, social aspects of uh, like whatever. So the, the training goes first and then, you know, it's like kind of nutrition and there's maybe a couple other runs and then you kind of have the mental side where everybody just feels like, Oh, that'll just fill in. But a lot of times, I don't think people understand that you have to train your mind just like your body. And there's um like, you know, a different, there, there's a different amount of effort that you have to put into that than maybe like physical training. So um, I think that having like a regimen and just giving experience into somebody who, um, you know, kind of knows how to push themselves, not that anybody out there doesn't, but it's just kind of my take and Jim's take too on the coach athlete relationship, how I go and I execute my workouts, maybe prep for, you know, an easy run versus a hard workout or for how my mindset is going into a race so that people can kind of learn and take from that and um go out and apply that you know to their own racing or even their own life because really like the mental side of the sport is um a good lesson in in just how to deal with overcoming different obstacles out there and i'll be the first one to admit too i mean there's there's people that you just learn from who you can point to and say like they're mentally tough or they're really good at pushing themselves and yeah i think that it's it's useful to take bits and pieces from all of those people. Um, just from you know whether it's sports or, or work life or parents or whatever it is, and put those together, and then you kind of have this blueprint for what what makes you like the the most mentally tough you know competitor or person
1: yeah, so I mean really, to find that recipe you're talking about some introspection you're talking about doing some um Some work on that mental game by paying attention to how you're moving through the world. And of course, you know, looking out at people who you think are doing, um, a really good job of it and take the bits and pieces, but you've gotta, you've gotta make it yours. So when you, the way you were describing it to me sounds like you believe that mental training is kind of its own discipline as opposed to just a byproduct of pushing through a hard workout, which I think there's some value there. And,
0: you know, the mental training can take place inside of a, a physical workout if you, if you have, like, the, the wherewithal or the presence to, to train it there. So instead of just going and pushing yourself and whatever, if you have, like, the mindset of, okay, trying to squeeze a little bit more out and mentally focusing on still relaxing or how you're handling the pain that's happening in there, and then you're able to take that and apply it to a race – then all of a sudden you're kind of killing two birds with one stone, but also like I've taken the time, like I've worked, like Jim is a good resource for me for, for mental strength, but I've also worked with a sports psychologist pretty regularly. And even just doing that, you know, every so often and having that base that gives me, you know, that outside mental training and gives me strategies to help deal with overcoming something in a race or pushing myself in the middle of one, or maybe, um, some speed bumps or if there's something holding me back, like I'm able to, to process and work through that better in having that time. And, you know, then adding in as well, like if you take quiet time or meditation or doing yoga or or whatever it is, like just working on different aspects of, um, your mental health or your mental toughness is, is beneficial. Um, and having that time set aside is is really good because it helps you prep for, you know, the times when you need it. You have to practice it if you're going to use it, right?
1: Right. Yeah, absolutely. How has the practice of yoga informed your mental training?
0: Yeah, it kind of goes back to like the the calming breath that I talked about earlier. And um, I think that it's really, really helpful. You don't realize in today's day and age when you're looking at your phone or watching I I always seem to have stuff on in the background, whether it's Netflix or my phone or music or uh talking with Courtney or playing with Tucker or whatever it is, there's always something going on. Your mind is always working on one thing or another and being able to to step back and have a way to calm it down and to just reset, kinda like like just resetting yourself is uh is really helpful. And having that ability to then, you know, if something is overwhelming, be able to reset and take a step back is helpful in all areas, but, uh, that's kind of what I found in in having that control over yourself. And I'm by no means an expert at it, but I I feel like that has kind of helped hone it a little bit.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're a student of it, right? Like there's no, it's just, it's just, there's no destination. Yeah. It's just going to keep going.
2: Do you find you've been able to use that? So, uh, we had, um, Matt Russell on the podcast and he, he was doing an intense, intense training session and he got off the bike and to bring his heart rate down and just to collect his thoughts and, and calmness, he just sat in meditation for, you know, five minutes, I think, or 10 minutes or so. And his heart rate came down and he just had a clearer perspective. Have you used maybe just gotten on the mat and done some yoga? Have you used, has that translated from workout to, to maybe re, reframing things that may have been frustrating or intense at times?
0: Yeah, well, I think it's a way like I do uh, a lot of times before races, I kind of do like a, a 15 minute like yoga routine beforehand um, and Courtney will walk me through it or she'll give me instructions on it before I go or something. So um, I think a lot of times like just uh, that combines the the mindfulness, the flexibility or some activation, like just combines all of that into like a quick little routine and <clears throat> kind of just it helps with the nerves too. If it's, if you're nervous at all, or if you're excited, whatever it is, it just helps you stay calm, especially that night before the race when maybe you wouldn't be able to sleep as well or something just kind of, you know, resets everything. So that's kind of, I think maybe, um, one of the places where I've used it quite a bit.
1: So as you prepare for fatherhood, um, which I'm sure you're going to be using some of those mental training skills, um, as a father, but you have Tucker now as a puppy who, when you first get a, like when you get a puppy, it's like an infant, right? I mean, yeah. it's just like, you have to protect it. Um, how is Tucker preparing you to be a dad?
0: Um, that's a good question. I mean, I think he's just uh, helping me get my fathering skills. there their honed. So we had a couple nights where he was up early, but I got to say, like, he's, uh, I hope our baby is uh, as well behaved as Tucker. I think she will be, but he, um, he sleeps through the night. He was good. He had a couple nights where he's up. There's only been a couple uh, instances where he's given us a scare, but I think it's just kind of letting go a little bit. Like there's some things it's, mm. I mean, I, I learned this even through racing a little bit, but it's just reinforced here. You just got to let go in some situations. Like y- it may not be perfect. You may not get a full night's sleep or you may not uh expects to be making a run to the vet in the middle of the night for something that ends up being nothing but you just kind of roll with it because um you care about the the person or the dog or, or it's just life so um yeah and there's there's some things that are worth you know missing out on some sleep or skipping out on something else for
1: yeah letting go that's a really that's a really big one i mean not just for athletes but for for humans like and I think in relationship to our sport, letting go is so important, too, so that we can move on. Um, what kind of advice would you give to athletes about, you know, this ability um, to just move on, to live from now, not living from the past, not living about where we were supposed to be today, yeah. but we're not there because of, you know, quarantine and COVID and all of that. It's like none of that stuff exists. So yeah, exactly. it's... We got to let that go. So what's your advice on letting go?
0: Yeah, I kind of have a couple of things. One is, uh, you know, if it's race results, like, again, I I might have even mentioned this in the last podcast I did with you guys. But like, my dad, again, always said, like, there's always going to be another race. So if you're dwelling on past results, like, you know what, like, I used to think the Youth Elite National Championships was going to make or break my, my triathlon career. And it ends up like, I have to do the math and figure out what years I was even racing youth elite and who I was racing with and, and all of that stuff. So like, and that's can apply to, to any race that you're training for. You've done, like there's, there's always going to be another one, but then like in relation to this year, I think that, um, yeah, you focus it's, it's the solution focused mindset. It's, it's figuring out like what can I do to still be better? What, uh, what race, what's my new goal or what is, even if like, timeline has changed and my goal hasn't like, okay, I get extra time. So, um, I think, yeah, we, we can tend to focus on like, oh, I don't get to, you know, go to a certain race this year. It got canceled. Like that's so disappointing. And I I mean, look on the, you got to look on the positive side of all of this. Like I've had more time. I have spent more time at home and been able to be with family than I ever have before without traveling. And yes, I miss traveling, but I've taken time to really enjoy a lot of what I might not ever be able to do again, because, you know, I'm going to have a baby, a dog and, and all of that. And, you know, it might like life is going to get crazy. So you kind of, you, it's really just focusing on what can you enjoy right now? What are the positives of this? Cause that other stuff is going to come back. We're all going to race eventually. So, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely disappointing, but yeah, I think that there's a lot of great things that are also going on that, that we can focus on, even if it's just little things.
2: It's the, um, I find it's the attachment to that, whatever it is that we were focused so hard on. So let's just use the Olympics, for example, you know, that's happens every four years and, and it's not happening this year. And and the frustration can arise because we're so attached to that, this it happening now. And when we, when we can't, Participate in it. We're told we can't, right? The, the feelings start to, the swirly sensation happens inside and we feel like we're wronged and we feel like we have no, um, there's no end in sight. We, we can't, we can't get out of it. Um, and I just had this thought, um, Ben, like what, because you love what you do. Um, you get up every day and you, and you do it over and over and over again. What if what if we what if there were no what if there were no races and you were just um asked to continue doing what you're doing and you were paid to do it because it's it's your profession, but there wasn't that end piece to it. Um what how would how would things change for you? Or would they at all? I think you find a different end piece. Like uh
0: maybe you don't have a specific race, but you know, you can still set goals in training. You can set short-term training goals, long-term training goals. You could push yourself in other ways. You could race yourself around the block. If you can't, like, if it's just me and nobody else, like I wanna pick some sort of goal and just keep trying to beat that goal uh, over however long that I have to do that for. And for this period in time, like we know, like, you know, maybe there might not be any more racing for the rest of the year, but we picked something. We, we chose to focus on a certain aspect of my training to, to be better this year, to, to really try and hone in on the run and we're going to keep continuing to do that. So 2020 for me, like we're we're taking control of it in the way that we can. So um I I'm, you know, lucky enough to be in a position where I have that ability to be okay with not racing right now and you know, we're we're focusing on all of the stuff that we can do and I feel like 2020's been, you know, a great year besides all of the stuff that's happening. It's been uh a lot of exciting things have happened for us over here and i've been training hard and it's going well um it's just different and it's weird and we're hoping things get back to normal as soon as possible and that everybody's safe and healthy but we're doing all we can to to really make the most of our time um while we're you know just being paid to train i guess I, I
2: love, <laughs> it's really what it is. It, it's really what it is. And I love it because it's not, it's not outcome oriented. You're process oriented. You're, you're trying to be the best Ben, uh, Ben Canute you can be no matter what, which, which gets lost a little bit when we start comparing ourselves to the outside world. To Yeah. Some, go that's
0: the, that's the most powerful type of goals too is the process oriented goals. Cause you can still have success at the end of a, you know, a failed outcome goal. Like, you know, um, you can like, as long as you gave everything that you had, like that, there's still those processes that you could have hit. And that's, that's still a success. So I think that with all of this, like, we just have to shift our mindset. There's no outcome goals for a big majority of this year, but there's a heck of a lot of process goals that you could be hitting along the way.
1: Yeah. And I think, uh, I think a lot of people who are listening to this are like, yeah, absolutely. Like a hundred percent. I'm there. Like I know our team so proud of them. They have just kept the momentum going. And some of them are doing virtual. Some of them are just doing their own epic adventures. Um, some of them are focusing on, you know, something to get better at. But there's a lot of people who have totally dropped the momentum. There's a lot of people who have been so devastated by a race being canceled that. They took a week off from training to you know process it emotionally, and they're really suffering and and what's happening is the very thing is that their training is suffering, like their fitness is suffering because um because they're having such a difficult time and and uh and I, I feel this really compassionately. they're having a really difficult time getting out the door um What kind of words do you have for somebody who's struggling right now, but in their heart really wants to get back at it?
0: Yeah, well, I I would say first off, like 2020 is a year of like kind of no rules. Like if you want to take a break when you wouldn't usually take a break, like by all means, go on vacation, like whatever, drink some beer, hang out like you don't have to train. There's nothing there's no like whatever race that you have to be prepared for. But I would say you want to, you, you set those, you set tiny goals first. If it's just getting out the door, like go for an easy jog or a walk or an enjoyable bike ride ride somewhere that you're allowed to ride to or make it a destination ride or uh, open water swim in a lake, in a nice lake that you have nearby or something. Pick something that's enjoyable, um, that's not, you know, very structured overall, which is something that I found myself doing. Um, kind of when we were in that in-between waiting period is a lot of unstructured work where I could go out and just enjoy being outside. And, you know, if I rode for an hour or I rode for four, it was what I wanted to do that day or, you know, the the running like or hiking or whatever it is. So um, I think that like do something that you that really you enjoy the most, like pick that first and get your body moving. And then you can pick you know, long-term goals or something to work for. Like, yes, the races this year might not be canceled, but you might be able to pick one later on next year that has a good probability of, of going on, or you train for something different like a, a through hike or like a rim to rim or do something like that's a little bit more out of the ordinary. So you just like, you redefine race for yourself. If that's the thing that really motivates you to get out the door. And that's the reason why you like to train is, maybe just redefining what racing is for the time being.
1: I love that. I think that's brilliant advice. Um, I know your dad's had a big influence on you. Um, as you're moving into this role as a dad, what do you want to bring into that, bring into being a father for your child?
0: Oh, that's a good question. Um, I'm thinking that I'll have a better answer, like the closer I get. And once, uh, our baby (laughs) is born, but, um, I really just wanna set a, a good example. Um, teach her good morals, like how to like hard working, um and just like how to like to enjoy life as well. So that that's a really good question and I think uh one that I'm probably gonna keep thinking about, but um yeah, I don't know, just to just to be there for her and just to um hopefully that she just is able to explore and be able to to just go over and and accomplish all that she wants to.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a good message for for everybody out there. All right, so I saw Courtney's feed. I, I don't know if it was yesterday or I, I looked at it this morning, but she was talking about the five love languages and that uh you were satisfying her love language of acts of service. Yeah. So I was wondering if she has asked you or told you what your love languages are.
0: Yeah. So we've talked about this a little (laughs) bit. Um, It's an interesting topic, actually. and We haven't actually taken the test, but we kind of thought about it. We've talked about it with each other's families and stuff. But uh, mine is is affirmation. Um, So that's... uh, that's a good one. Um, I, I think everybody has a little bit of all of them in there. Yeah. But yeah, the the acts of service and affirmation are to the two uh, I guess competing love languages in the house. Here.
1: <laughs> I think it's a really good thing for couples to understand this because yeah. we're always looking at it from. What is our language, mm-hmm. right? So, your affirmations. So, you might be giving Courtney all these affirmations, but she's like, dude, I want some service. Yeah, like, I, I need acts of service. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Words only mean so much. Show me. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Do something for me. Yeah. Have you been doing a lot of work around the house or was that working in the pain cave?
0: Yeah. So, ah, uh, um, because of everything going on, the pandemic, we, we did a lot of the moving by ourselves. So we recruited a bit of family, but it's been a lot of moving boxes, moving stuff in. Uh, we've been organizing. I laid the, the rubber gym floor down, which took uh, a bit of effort and just finished um, or in the process, I guess, of repainting some stuff. So it's just kind of gathering up and doing some odds and ends around the house and starting to make it feel like a home.
1: Nice. So what's your, uh, what's your like ideal vision for this, for, for races to start rolling out again? When would you love to see this happening?
0: Tomorrow? (laughs) I mean, (laughs) um, yeah, I'm ready to go whenever. So this year is just going to be about, um, you know, racing when I can, uh, I'm ready. Yeah. Like I said, tomorrow, if I need to, but if we got to wait till November, December, like we're planning on that and uh even if we can't race this year like we'll we'll be able to adjust and, and start up next year too so i've seen some some little small things here and there happening whether it's in europe or or some other places of some people getting out there and competing so uh it's going to be so regional this year i just think that um i'm going to be prepared kind of to, to just keep my eye on the race calendar and make the trip when necessary
2: and the uh, the seventy point threes are going to be pretty much in your backyard, uh, yeah. Next year, right? So, are you already qualified for that? Or
0: uh, no, no, not I'm not. Yet. And actually, like since that's twenty twenty one now, um, I know that they just released some of the how they're rolling over, or what they're doing. But I think I still need a, a race to qualify at for twenty twenty one for St. George.
2: Does that get you fired up though? That's traditionally I haven't done the course, but I heard it's a pretty Tough oh, course. That was my, yeah, that was my second 70.3.
0: I love that course. It's a great course. I mean, Courtney and I drove to it um, when I raced that in 2017. Um, yeah, I loved everything about it. And I love that there's a world championship in the U.S. again. I love racing on home soil. Mm.
2: Exciting. So exciting.
1: Nice. So tell us how people can, um, can best follow you guys and make sure to give a shout out to your YouTube channel, too.
2: Yeah. So I'm,
0: uh, on am mainly Instagram at Ben Canute or, uh, my wife is, uh, at CourtGTV and we have a, a YouTube channel that is Team Canute. You can follow us there. Um, and those are probably the best two places other than maybe my website for bencanute.com.
1: Awesome. And, uh, I know that you want to be, you know, a good ambassador for, for your sport. And I think you like everything you're talking about, just being in that solution energy, like the, you know, Timelines might push out, but goals don't change and keeping that momentum going. So one thing that you would like people to be able to just take away from this, take away from, you know, what you are an ambassador of for triathlon.
0: Ooh, wow. That's uh, put me on the spot. Uh, I think that um, just being able to stay in the now moment, whether that's racing or in life or, or whatever it is, just being present and like I was talking about the solution focus, like what can I do now to be my best self?
1: That's awesome. Awesome. I think that's amazing advice. Thank you so much uh, for this conversation and we'll put links to all that stuff in the show notes. And uh, Ben, it was so awesome to have you on again, man. We can't wait to till you get back on that race course and uh, we'll be cheering you on as always.
0: Yeah, thanks, I had a great time.